Hello and welcome to Liver Talk, a podcast series from Liverwell that shares personal and professional stories about hepatitis and liver-related news. Before we commence, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land wherever you are listening. We pay our respect to the elders, past, present and emerging, and to any Indigenous people who are listening to this podcast. Hello, I'm Chloe Pedley, and together with Paulette Trevina from Liverwell, we are talking to Adrian Ferrugia from the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe University. So, Adrian, can you tell us a bit about your current research into hepatitis C treatment and how did you become interested in this topic? Yeah, so our current project's about the uptake and experiences of hepatitis C treatment in the current era. So we know that since the sort of availability of the new treatments, the direct acting antiviral treatments that are much more improved on the previous treatments that Australia, along with a number of nations signed up to these World World Health Organization goals of eliminating hep C by 2030. And, you know, while these fantastic new treatments have met with, you know, there's such a vast improvement and and uptake was really strong of them, especially when they were first listed on the PBS, uh, it has has plateaued somewhat. And so we're kind of investigating the social dynamics that shape this, so shape uptake and what drives it or what sort of hinders it. And, yeah, the way we do that is we use qualitative methods, which is sort of usually to interview people or you can do focus groups and that kind of thing, which is just slightly different kind of social research to what often we see in the field, which is more based on quantitative methods like surveys and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, we're interviewing people who have, who have, who have been affected by hepatitis C, whether or not they've had treatment. And we're really sort of interested in understanding their decisions about treatment, the social dynamics that shape these decisions. So, For example, you know, we're interested in the issues that mean people can't maybe prioritise treatment at a certain time in their life or things that occur in their life that make treatment a more pressing issue or make it more or less accessible to them. And so we want to draw on these personal stories to to sort of inform our understandings of how to kind of encourage treatment uptake and then make, you know, make sort of contribute towards this goal of eliminating hepatitis C. So as a qualitative researcher, you're dealing in people's stories. Can you share a story that has had the most impact on you personally? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, because I've done, you know, a few different projects over the years. So there's been lots of stories, but I guess the one I would probably focus on one from the current projects that makes sense. So um, obviously all, all kind of participants in our research are anonymous, so they're they're assigned pseudonyms, so we give them a fake name. But so one story that comes to mind would comes to mind would be Julia, so that's her pseudonym. And um, we interviewed her for this current project, and she talked about the way that she yeah she had acquired hepatitis C related to injecting drug consumption many years ago and had used the new treatments to uh, clear clear the hep C, and that had been the case for a long time she hadn't had it for a long time and, and she sort of saw that part of her life was kind of in the past and, and over but she gave us this really sort of evocative description of the way that she uh, she has a number of uh, documents connected to one of her children's uh, like development these childhood development books that she's got that you record milestones and these kinds of things and she talked about how in these books had been recorded by some of the kind of health professionals that she'd been dealing with when she was um, having her children they had recorded her um, 
history of injecting drug consumption and hepatitis C kind of somewhat irrelevantly. It just wasn't really necessarily part of the story, but it was all in these books. And so she sort of talked about the way that even though this time in her life is, is over and very much has been for very, very much a long time, she felt that hepatitis C was almost like waiting around. She's waiting. It's in, she's encountering it in places that it doesn't belong was what she said. And this was, um, you know, this is a sort of an important story to me because it sort of shows that the kind of elimination project of hep C, it's not just about the, the virus itself, it's also about sort of broader social change. So issues such as stigma and discrimination. And it's kind of about trying to create a world in which, you know, even getting hepatitis C to begin with doesn't carry the risk of encountering discrimination regardless of, of cure. And also that, also that um, cure and elimination are somewhat fragile. They're not something that just happens once and all of a sudden hep C is gone. It's a kind of ongoing project that we have to keep working on. And I think that her story really tells us that because it kind of emphasizes that even though this is something that sort of happened for her a long time ago, it sort of it emerges all the time and it's kind of not so simply something of the past. So I thought that was a really kind of powerful story. Yeah, it's almost as though she was haunted by her, her past and it followed her around. Yeah, and, and that's what sort of what, like when she used that story, you know, she, she used that phrase of, you know, encountering it where it doesn't belong. I thought that was quite an evocative thing, you know. Definitely. Mm. So in identifying impediments to uptake in an era focused on elimination of hep C, can you expand on that idea? Yeah, like I mentioned, so we're really focused on sort of asking questions about why even when we've got these great new treatments uh, that are very tolerable, they're easy to take, they're a much shorter duration than the previous treatments. So we're still asking why is the number of people taking them not sort of as strong as maybe we would have hoped or people kind of thought would be the case. So um, in terms of thinking about impediments, we're kind of wondering, was this connected to sort of long-standing issues like things like stigma and discrimination and perhaps that's still getting in the way of people accessing treatment in this new period or maybe people just it's something more direct like maybe people haven't given enough information about the new treatment or are concerned maybe about the side effects that we knew connected to the old treatments to the interferon maybe that's still sort of shaping concerns or hesitancy now so it's just about thinking about kind of broader sort of things that get in the way and shape um, how people come to to do treatment or not. But so obviously that's also about kind of these broader issues. So, you know, we know that health issues um, don't take don't take shape kind of separately to the social context in which they emerge. So questions even about things that aren't necessarily specifically health. So things like stable housing, for example, are, are sort of pertinent to this. And... Um, and beyond this, sort of just thinking slightly beyond impediments, it's also just, we're also kind of investigating experiences of health after treatment. So we're kind of interested in whether these long-standing issues shape experiences of health and healthcare even after cure. So this might be if someone gets hepatitis C again, or even not, maybe just something unrelated or, or other um, health issues that people are kind of managing. And so, you know, an example of this would be that we know that, you know, experiences of discrimination in healthcare kind of compromise trust between health professionals and people affected by hepatitis C and this is kind of an ongoing issue and so it's important for us to learn about whether these issues and these relationships 
and people's experiences change kind of even after cure? Like um, has that meant that they can have a better therapeutic relationship with healthcare professionals or, you know, has it had these other kind of effects, sort of ripple effects in their life um, or are there ongoing impediments that um, impact not just whether they've accessed treatments or maybe they already have, but whether there's um, ongoing management of issues connected to hepatitis C? Mm -hmm. And do you think, can you identify a main impediment at this point? Well, I mean, it's we're kind of early on with the research, so anything that I would say would be very kind of preliminary, sort of yep. still other analysis. But I could de definitely point out that yeah, that there is still some concerns around. Oh well, the the the, the sort of interferon era, the previous re regime of treatment, does still shape understandings of treatment now. Um, it's not always necessarily a direct impediment, but it sort of shapes. It's sort of something on people's mind when they're thinking about it. And uh, sometimes need a bit of just um, just sort of quite direct explanation about the difference between the, the treatments. But then, yeah, I, I, again, sort of concerns about um, or previous experience sort of stigmatising encounters in healthcare services still make people hesitant to, um, to, to go into healthcare. So it sort of points out how important relationships are, uh, how important kind of... Um, welcoming atmospheres and healthcare services are for people and that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, depending on the circumstances of different um, participants, some are really like the, the, the sort of, the reality is that, is that hepatitis C is one of many issues that they're juggling. And, and, and it's not just about a direct, it's not just directly about hepatitis C, it's about a whole range of things that are just going on at, at the time that makes hep C one of, many concerns so yeah it's I mean again it's a bit hard for me to say something quite direct like given we're sort of early on in the project and haven't analyzed all the data but those are sort of the things that would come to mind given the sort of interviews that we've done. Speaking of there not being one type of person who is affected by hep C do you feel that there are any groups in Australia whose perspectives have not been included enough in hepatitis C research to date? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important question and really pertinent for um, our project. And so, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, in Australia, hepatitis C is associated with injected drug consumption. And so there's a kind of really legitimate focus there. And, uh, and you know, and, um, that's a, a significant or an important part of our research as well. But... Um, Beyond that, hepatitis C is really relevant for quite a few different communities, um, especially including people who have acquired it through other means, for example, through medical procedures. And this often happens because of the nature of different healthcare systems and awareness and sort of uh, things around like that. It's happened for a lot of migrants. So before they've, they've moved to Australia, um, they may have acquired hep C through a medical procedure. And, and we know from a Hepatitis Australia report from a few years ago that this could be specifically relevant for uh, people with Chinese or Vietnamese or Indian or Egyptian backgrounds living in Australia. And um, it's also important that we would that we need the perspectives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians as well. We've, again, we have we know of elevated rates of hep C. Um, and it's not like these people's you know perspectives haven't been included in any research, but it's just definitely uh, we need to keep sort of really striving to make sure that we that we do that. Um, and yeah, connected again to the issue of sort of how most research is connected to or has mainly been about on people who are 
have histories of injecting drug use or currently injecting, uh, consuming injecting drugs. It's also um, important that we sort of do have more research where with people who aren't so much connected to the alcohol and other drug sec sector. So we've seen really great push through the alcohol and other drug sectors for increased hepatitis C treatment uptake. And that's really great. And that's been strong. And that's something that we still need to keep doing. But it's also important to think about people who maybe acquired hep C many years ago, but aren't really connected to the alcohol and other, other drug sector at all. And all, you know, don't see it as very relevant to their life anymore. And maybe they're not as aware of the new treatments or they're not as aware of the long-term health effects of hep C because there's just less awareness outside of that sort of in this sort of generalist healthcare sector. So I think it's important to include um, perspectives of those different groups as well. Um, I mean, <laughs> thinking about our current research, it, it's, it has been challenging um, given the circumstances with COVID and the restrictions. And so we're based, uh, all of our interviews are in Victoria, New South Wales at the moment. So that, you know, Victoria obviously has had significant um, restrictions and New South Wales, uh, some as well, especially at the moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that we're really keen to, to interview people like from, you know, culturally and linguistically diverse communities and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander individuals and yeah, people who may have acquired hep C through other means. And yeah, we, we, you know, we're still keen to do that at the moment. Great. So how can people find out more or participate in the research? Yeah, it's, I mean, there's a few different ways. I mean, most simply, they're actually welcome to just um, give me a call and maybe we can include um, contact details for this when we sure. put it. Um, they, could, they could just call me on 0492 So they could call me. They can also just email me a dot Faruja, which is f-a-r-r-u-g-i-a at latrobe.edu.au or they can also google the research center so the australian research center in sex health and society at latrobe university and there's a contact page there and welcome to contact me there i should mention as well that you know often projects like this are really you know we really value the support often of people working in the sector so often it's great if people in the sector you know if they've heard about it they can mention it to patients or clients and see if they want to be involved and i think it's worth emphasizing as well that um yeah all of our interviews are anonymous and so we you know have a range of ways that we protect how we protect people's identi identities and people are also reimbursed for their time we really do value value the important input um, of participants who are so generous to share their stories with us and some of their you know often quite uh, personal experiences and so mm -hmm. we recognize the value of those so that we always really reimburse people for their time and contributions because this kind of research uh, you really can't do uh, uh, without those without the generosity of people and we are great so research often puts out uh, public outputs such as websites about alcohol and other drug related issues can you tell us a little bit about these websites what they cover and why you think they're needed yeah um yeah over this so this this project and i've two previous sort of large projects we've done have really tried to focus on that so having um, kind of traditional uh, research outputs such as reports and publications and articles and that kind of thing, as well as having something a bit more public focused and, and sort of quite accessible. So what we've done over the, in two previous projects, and we're kind of reproducing this model again now, is to make a website. One was about experiences of, of uh, drug consumption specifically, and that website's called livesofsubstance.org. 
And then we did another one about experiences of overdose and using naloxone to uh, save lives, essentially. And that one's called overdoselifesavers.org. And so what we do in these uh, for these is to sort of tell long and detailed individual personalized narratives of these issues, issues connected to drug use or issues connected to overdose, as well as kind of broader topic sections which cover um, the sort of main themes that come out in the interview and they sort of, they sort of highlight the kinds of issues that shape people's experiences. And, and the point of this is to, is, to, um, is to sort of offer these carefully contextualized personal stories that show, that's, that show the social dynamics that shape experiences and, and put a face to these issues. So often, you know, for example, things like overdose, are sort of often discussed maybe through statistics or even they're discussed in a kind of stigmatizing way sometimes in media or popular culture representations of these things and we want to put a sort of a, a, a just put put them put the put the person back into the story and show the people who are affected by these things as whole people you know living as complex lives as everyone else you know connected to the community connected to the lives and stories of others and so you know people i would always encourage people who are who are you know to have a look at have a look at these websites especially if it's something personally relevant to them and and we yeah you know, we want to do a similar thing with this this site so this project so it would be about personal experiences of hepatitis c and treatment and uh, you know just perspectives on that and um yeah we see them as a kind of a tool um for people who are interested in these issues, maybe for themselves, but also for people working in the sector or they can be used for training or even in higher education for people, you know, you know when people are teaching about these kinds of issues. Yeah. Absolutely. I think lived experience stories really engage with people as well and they add that human element. Mm. So. Mm. Mm. so uh, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I, I would like to encourage anyone who's involved in the research to get in touch with me if they like. And uh, you can also just Google my name and uh, find me that way. But I guess um, beyond that, just the, to sort of emphasize that, you know, as you've just mentioned, this, the, the, you know, the importance of lived experience and personal stories and understanding these kind of broad social issues. And that's something like the elimination, hepatitis C elimination project it's not just about treatment or it's not just about the virus. It's about sort of a broader, it's about a broader range of issues. And so it's a project about inequality and trying to build a world where not only where people aren't affected by hep C, but working towards a time where, um, uh, where we, you know, we address the social dynamics that make certain populations more effect affected by hep C than others. And, and where issues like stigma and discrimination aren't, so profoundly impactful on the lives of people affected by hep C, regardless of whether they've had treatment or not. And so that's something that I think is really important that, um, that even if someone hasn't had treatment yet or, or, or is still thinking about it, there's no reason that they should be made to feel like any less than anyone else. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna help anything that way. So I guess that would be the, you know, the sort of broad, broadest message, yeah. Sure. And when, when, when will this research be concluded? When will you be publishing your findings? Yeah, so we'll, I mean, we'll start having publications from the research sort of over the next couple of months. We should see those come out. Um, but the website we plan to launch early next year and we'll promote that. And, and, um, you know, and I mean, it depends on the nature of the, 
of COVID and the restrictions, whether we'll be able to have a public event or whether we'll have to do an online launch. But often we, we, we would also sometimes attend conferences and have kind of an event at those as well, depending on how mm -hmm. we go. So very, it's sort of a watch this space at the moment. It's kind of constantly adapting to the <laughs> changing circumstances. Right. Well, perhaps we can talk to you again when it's uh, concluded and find out some more about your findings. Yeah, that would be great. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. It's been really interesting to hear about the research and all the best with it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Liver Talk. For information, visit our website at liverwell.org.au or call the Liver Line on 1800 703 003.